Good morning, friends. My name is Victoria Fitzgerald, and it is truly a treat to be with you guys this morning. I coordinate worship typically here at Nexus, so it's always a treat to be able to sit back and see somebody else take the reins. Loved seeing Sarah this morning. So good, so good, so good. So, while Jesus was here on earth, he communicated with the crowds around him in stories that we refer back to as parables. A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Some of these stories that Jesus told were super straightforward and really easy to understand, and some of them were a little bit more cryptic. That's why our team here at Gaten thought it would be important to spend some time looking at parables and trying to get a better understanding of what they're really trying to say. I love that Jesus spoke to people in stories because I grew up in a family that really values the importance of a good story. I consider my father one of the greatest storytellers I know. When he tells a story, he takes you on a journey with him where you visit every stop along the way and you feel like you've lived it yourself. I know that if I'm ever in need of a good laugh, Dad will always have a story from his early adulthood to share. So some of his stories have been told with enough frequency that I'm certain my brother and I will be recounting them to our own children one day. So I'm going to walk you through one of my favorite stories of my dad's. Dad has a good buddy from college named Rob. Rob Hudome and my dad have been inseparable for what feels like forever, definitely for all of my life. And Rob drank sweet tea practically everywhere they went. And when they were grabbing a meal, Rob has pretty much the same routine every time he wraps up. He pushes himself away from the table, excuses himself to the restroom one last time, and then returns to his table for one last big gulp of whatever drink he's been working on. On one such an occasion, my dad was out with him and they had a big group of buddies sharing a big dinner and having a great time. And after he finished his food, Rob went through his after meal routine as usual. He pushed himself away from the table, made one last quick trip to the restroom, and as he's getting up, suddenly my father finds inspiration for a fantastic prank. Hot sauce. It was roughly the same color as Rob's tea. And so as he's gauging his time, my dad empties about half a bottle of hot sauce into his good buddy Rob's tea. You can see the twinkle of mischief in my dad's eye as he recounts every detail of the scene. He remembers the thought going through his head. He remembers looking his buddies in the eye. He remembers sharing with them that they should pull back their waters when Rob comes back. So, I love seeing my dad tell this part of the story best because he practically relives the entire experience. He almost becomes Rob in this moment. He tells us that Rob returns to the table suspecting nothing, knocks back his tea, and somehow at this point in the story, my dad manages to sputter and cough and laugh all at the same time as he recounts the absolute fury 
and absolute entertainment of the entire crowd. It was perfect. He relives it. Rob wasn't suspecting a thing. And dad laughs as he recounts how Rob's pale Irish face turned bright red. Still not sure if that was because of the spice of the hot sauce or if it was just the outright rage. I love hearing my dad tell stories. And I'm sure that Jesus' closest friends and disciples loved hearing Jesus' stories and insights about the world. But just like my dad's story about Rob drinking hot sauce tea, not all of Jesus' stories had super obvious morals or explanations. When my brother and I were comparing notes on this story, we both agreed that there's no clear moral here, except perhaps not to trust our dad around unattended beverages. So, thankfully, the story that we're diving into today has a moral that's provided along with it. The storyteller takes care of all of these details and unpacks it himself. So before we launch into this message, I just want to take a moment to read an excerpt from the book of Matthew. Now, typically this is the part of the service where I'd invite you to take out your Bible apps or take out your Bibles and to read along with me. But in the essence of true storytelling, I'd like to invite you to just sit and listen and take it in. I'd like to invite you to still your hands, to relax your shoulders, and to key in. I'd like to invite you to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, and understand with your heart what Jesus spoke in these next few verses. A sower went out to sow. This is a farmer. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil, some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you so much for being a God who cares about story time, a God who welcomes us into this environment where we can curl up in your lap and hear what you have in store for us. God, this morning I come before you as just a person a person who's broken, a person who isn't always good soil, a person who needs you. God, I ask that you take this time that we share together this morning and allow it to be fully and totally glorifying to you. Let my heart and my stories and my background step out of the way so that your heart can be heard above all else. Thank you, Father. Amen. So this story actually starts a little bit before the story itself. 
Matthew 13 says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered around him and he got into a boat and sat down. So whenever a story begins with that same day or on the same day, I get excited to flip back and see the context. So I'll read a chapter or two before to see what else was going on that day, what else was important that it had to be referenced as on the same day. So when we do that here, Matthew chapters 11 and 12 tell us stories of how Jesus heals a man with a withered hand, gives sight and speaking to a blind and mute man, and shares insight about how trees will be known by their fruit. But there's also a moment right before he starts this story. In the end of chapter 12, where Jesus' mother and brothers were waiting outside. Jesus has been inside for a good while, and he's telling stories, and he's performing miracles, and doing all of these incredible things. And then Jesus' mother and brothers aren't even able to get inside, because the place is so packed. So they send somebody in there to communicate with Jesus on their behalf. They send someone inside to ask for him to come outside to talk, and Jesus responds to this go-between. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Because odds are good. Jesus' mom and brothers are like, listen, <laughs> we know this guy. Please go in there, tell him we want to talk to him. We're important, we're connected. We know Jesus really well. Send him outside to talk to us. And so Jesus responds to the go-between, who is my mother and who are my brothers? which sounds like a total jab. I know I would be hurt by that. Who is that? Who are you talking about? Then he stretches out his hands toward the crowd that had been listening to him and watching him perform miracles. And he says, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And with that, he leaves the house. He goes out onto the shore and his mother and brothers join the crowd. I love this visual in the next verses because Jesus went out from the house and an enormous crowd gathered around him. The people from inside, odds are good there were people who were waiting outside. They know that something really big is happening here. And so the crowd actually becomes so huge that it is no longer practical for Jesus to speak to them from the shore. So he gets into a boat and he goes out onto the water in this boat. And if you've ever been out on super still water, you know that what Jesus did here is actually really incredible because he leaned into the natural resources to pretty much create his own amphitheater. Everybody can hear him with clarity. Everybody can hear word for word what he is saying, what he's speaking out across the water. And that's where he begins his story. If reading along is helpful to you, I'd like to invite you to take out your Bibles or your Bible apps. It's gonna be up on the screen for you as well. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter 13, starting halfway through verse three, revisiting the same story that we heard just a moment ago. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up 
but since they had no depth of soil, oh, they immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In this moment, Jesus opens the door for every member of this crowd to be treated as a potential disciple, somebody who might understand the depths of what's going on, even if they may not be fully prepared for the weight of what he's saying. And I love the authenticity that verse 10 brings to us because Jesus has wrapped up a story about seeds and soil to a bunch of people who live by the water. Currently, he's talking farming to a fishing community, and he's expecting it to all click in, it feels like. So an already cryptic message now feels like it's delivered at the wrong time and to the wrong people. So the disciples approach Jesus and ask, why do you speak to the people in parables? And I get it. As somebody who loves fairy tales and all of these stories from my childhood that have such a clear message and a clear wrap-up point, a moral to the story, you're kind of left wanting something else here. You want more. You want the description. You want the explanation. And I can't help but imagine what Jesus' disciples are thinking at that point. Um, Jesus? Think you might want to go back there and follow up? Dude, these people have no clue what you're talking about. Look, Jesus, the people over there are so confused. Please, just, just help them out. So one pipes up and basically just asks, why? Why in the world do you talk to people the way that you do? Why do you speak like this and leave it so open-ended? And he replies in verse 11. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away which is basically Jesus' way of saying, look, you guys, you already know what's going on. So since you've been given more understanding of who I am and what my role is here, you should be able to understand this situation really well. What you'll glean from my stories should be really rich and really full. But since they don't understand what I'm here for, and odds are good, friends, they probably won't understand until much later on in the story. it'll be hard for them to understand and to really take this message to heart. He continues on in verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, 
You will indeed see, but never perceive. It's hard for a message to take root when you're not prepared for it. And this crowd, just like I remembered the story of my dad, just basically just pouring hot sauce into his buddy's drink, the story will stick. But the moral might not quite yet. Continuing on in verse 15. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And then he turns to his disciples. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Your heart's ready for this message. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but do not hear it. He's talking about himself here. He is the fulfillment of this prophecy. People have been anticipating this for such a long time and waiting to see the hope that was promised with a savior. He says, plenty of prophets and righteous people have been waiting to see me and here I am in front of you, friends. You have access to get it. That's why I speak in parables, because they'll still remember the stories but they, not, they might not get the moral yet. The moral's still coming for them. Once they understand what's going on, the moral will come through. And then we get the explanation. Starting in verse 18, it says, hear then the parable of the sower. I've got a couple of buckets here, a couple of planters. I'm gonna walk alongside them because I'm a visual person. I, I have to connect it in my head. So earlier we talked about seed that fell on the path. We talked about seed that fell on the rocky soil. Seed that fell in among weeds and good soil. So as he's going through this explanation, he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When, everyone, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is the seed that's sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the seedfulness of the riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He, indeeds bear, he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another 30. More often than not, when I read this, it's so easy for me to write off this story. 
It would be so much easier to say, yep, I believe in Jesus, so I am good soil. Check, we are good to go. Thanks, Jesus, for the story. I'll talk to you later. Wrap it up, tie it up with a nice bow, and say the end. But between the story and the explanation, Jesus gives us a decoder key that I can't let go of. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The disciples have been privy to kingdom insight and kingdom knowledge. So when Jesus introduces the seed as the word of the kingdom, we would be remiss to label that simply as knowledge that the kingdom exists. I don't know about you, but I have been every type of soil at some point in my life, and sometimes I've been multiple kinds of soil even within the same day. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. How many biblical snippets of insight have come my way and fallen on deaf ears just because I didn't understand? And how often is it just easier to let that sit and let the birds take it away? How often is it easier to just let the seed fall and not really care about really taking it in? The soil of my soul has been just like the footpath, too busy with people walking through, with birds floating by, and with things to keep me otherwise occupied. Then I think about the times that my soul was like the soil of the rocky ground. The number of sermons I sat through and the number of conversations that I engaged in where I responded with nothing but enthusiasm. Moments where I sprung up initially, ready to rise to the occasion, but because I lacked a depth of understanding, a depth of grasp, when the sun came out, it withered away. The kingdom message I had received once with joy developed very shallow roots. And as for weeds, aren't we all guilty of letting the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth creep in? Worries of this life can be the tiniest, most minute details. Even as I was writing this message, I was sitting at a coffee shop and finding my mind start to wander as I questioned whether or not my parking pass was about to expire. Distractions have this sneaky way of creeping in and choking out where our heart is really aiming to go. Sometimes they even overtake our entire worldview. My train of thought gets derailed and it becomes challenging to grow and to develop a rooted perspective in what we're talking about. But some days, in some moments, the soil of my soul is primed and ready. It has been tilled up, there are no rocks in the way, it has been fertilized, it is perfectly moist, the temperature is just right, and the sun is out exactly where it needs to be. And these nuggets of wisdom grow deep into my heart and into who I am.
when I have invested the time that it takes to prepare my garden heart, when that seed falls, it grows deep into who I am. From there, the things that I create and the words that I say bear fruits of the seed that's planted in my heart. Once that seed takes root, I don't have to worry about the pruning because God gardens my heart and allows the things that stifle my growth to fall to the wayside. I don't have to worry about the growing conditions, the sun, the rain, the temperature. All I have to worry about is the soil that the seed is falling in. All I'm responsible for is preparing my heart for the words that God has for me. I'm responsible for being good soil in my work life, in my friendships, in my connections with my family, and in my walk with God. I'm responsible for keeping the weeds out of those gardens, for tilling up the rocky soil, and for opening my heart to see what God wants to plant in these parts of my life. I'm responsible for being humble and receptive to what the Lord is trying to grow in me. The message is urgent. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And what are we hearing? We're hearing the good news of the kingdom. We're hearing the joy of forgiveness. We are hearing the demand and the gift of discipleship. And it's urgent because there are so many people who have longed to hear the hope that you hear and you see. I don't know if you've ever heard this before or if you've been hearing it since you can remember, but regardless of your soil history in this moment, I pray that the words that are about to come out of my mouth are falling on good soil. I want you to know this morning that there is a God who loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. A God who knit you together fiber by fiber to be exactly who you are. A God who spoke stars into existence and who breathed intentionality and detail into exactly who you are. Who you have been and who you will be. The same divine creator saw that there was something that was keeping us from him. He knew before I took my first steps that I was going to fall. He knew that I was going to make mistakes, that I was going to slip up, and I was going to do things that would distance my heart from intimacy with him and from relationship with him. He knew that I was gonna need help. And because God anticipated my shortcomings, Jesus was born here on earth to live as an example and to suffer and die for my mistakes so that I wouldn't have to. In paying the price for my mistakes, Jesus opened the door for me and for you to spend eternity with him forever and ever. And because of that sacrifice, we have been liberated, set free to live a life defined by God, the same God who knows every detail of our hearts. 
If you have questions about what that means or what that looks like, I'd love to encourage you to connect with me after the service or with any of our incredible volunteers. We've got plenty of people around here in teal, I'm here to serve shirts. Even if you just have questions, if you feel like today you've started to take a little bit of root into this conversation, if you feel like you might start to be breaking through the soil just a little bit, and you might wanna grow a little bit deeper in this, we're here for you. We'd love to walk with you, to learn your story, to hear your heart, and to learn what God has created you to be. Because the God I'm talking about this morning is not a God of ritual and religion. Jesus bridged the gap so that our connection with our creator could be a deep and loving relationship. The God I'm talking about this morning wants to know you and to walk with you like a friend. He sees past our guilt and our shame and he finds us exactly where we are. God loves us even when we're feeling unworthy or undeserving of love. Even as a believer, I know that I carry lies that the world has told me about my worth my value, my abilities. My perception of myself has been undermined time and time again. Weeds have choked out so many things that I've held close to me. But I want you to know that God said that there is nothing, nothing that can keep us from his heart None of the things of this world that make our heart feel like hard and untillable soil can keep us from him. No number of weeds, no number of distractions on the footpath, no number of things that we've allowed to define our hearts can keep us from him. In the book of Romans, we read, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In just a moment, we're going to invite our worship team back to the stage and we're gonna pass a basket. But during that time, we're going to be playing a song. It's called Simple Gospel. I don't know if your heart connects to a story or to words more through listening or through engaging or through seeing. So during this time, we're going to have our band singing it. You're welcome to sing along if engaging helps those roots grow deeper into your heart. So in just a moment, we're going to invite our, our usher team to pass the baskets for a time of generosity. As that's happening, I invite you to listen close and to see what God has in store for you this morning.
But before they start, and as our band is making their way to the stage, I'd like to leave you with a verse that's been my background on my phone for so long. And it feels so cheesy to say that, but sincerely, it's something that I continue to remind myself. As God's continuing to break through the hard soil in my heart, as some days my heart feels like good, rich, fertilized, ready-to-go soil, and some days my heart feels like it's nothing but rocks, I remind myself that I need to stay rooted in Him. So I'll leave you with Colossians 2, 7, I believe. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. <laughs>